Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, January the 20th and 2023 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year A, the third Sunday after Epiphany. And on the Friday of the week, we'll get to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the Gospel of Matthew after taking a week hiatus from the Gospel of John. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John was arrested, he went to Galilee. He left Nazareth and settled in Capernaum, which lies alongside the sea in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what Isaiah the prophet said, Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who lived in the dark have seen a great light, and a light has come upon those who lived in the region and in the shadow of death. From that time, Jesus began to announce, Change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus walked alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. This is the word of God for us. So this passage came to light for many of us when we heard some teachers who were able to bump into some of the Hebraic tradition about how education happened for Jesus and his contemporaries, and it really shines light because I don't know about you, but the first several times I read this passage, I often wondered, like, why would Peter and Andrew, James and John be so ready to like leave the stability of the fishing enterprise that came from their families in order to follow Jesus, who we're just not sure they've heard much about, uh, according to the synoptics. John's gospel kind of gives a different picture of how this all took place. But uh, why would they just like in the middle of the day, like, was it just a terrible day at work and they were just ready for any sort of change, no matter what certainty came with it, right? But um, what seems to be the case is that the educational system had about three or four phases and uh, only boys went to school, girls didn't go to school. So for all the ladies tuning into When I Rise, aren't aren't you glad we're in better days, right? Uh, Everyone goes to school now. But just then, like all the Jewish boys from the town would get to go uh, to Torah school. In the first phase, they would learn uh, the first five books um, of the Old Testament, the Torah, the law. And then at their, like at that point, the rabbi would kind of weed out the crowd. Like He would look at who seemed to have great potential, who he believed in. And he would uh, call those to himself, ask them to come follow him. And then the rest would be dismissed, right? Then there would be like a second phase where they would like 
take in the rest of the Old Testament scriptures. And then at the end of that phase, the rabbi would do the same thing. would take like the rest of that crowd and would say, I believe in you. I believe in you, you, you. Uh, the rest of you can go home. And then there would be a third phase where they would be immersed in the teaching traditions as well as like all those other rabbis before him in the oral tradition that would give commentary. So they would be well-versed in all of the Old Testament and all the commentary around it. And then if you got to the end of that, like then you would be able to kind of enter into the official rabbinical school and you would follow your rabbi everywhere. You would like learn from them how they cooked food, how they washed their hands, how they went to the bathroom because they, they knew like the most you know pure way to do so. And so you would like basically be immersed in the life of your rabbi. But once, once again, like at every phase, every checkpoint, the rabbi would look at the crowd and say, well, I believe in you, but I don't believe in you. And those who didn't make the cut, their option, the only option, was to go back home and to learn their father's occupation and trade, understanding that they would go into business with their family. And then whenever father passed away, like they would be the one who would take over the business, right? And so here you have clearly, um, you know, we got Peter and Andrew that seems to be like, I don't know if they're with um, their parents or not. It seems like they're on their own during their fishing enterprise. Maybe their dads have already passed away, right? Their dad has passed away. But you have James and John specifically in a boat with Zebedee, right? And so at some point, um, Peter, Andrew, James, and John heard from a rabbi. A rabbi looked in the crowd of boys in their community, looked at them and said, you didn't make the cut. I don't believe that you should go further, right? And so then their only other option was to go home. So when Jesus comes by the sea and he picks these guys into out and he says, come follow me. Like that's maybe why they just dropped everything immediately because they weren't going to be looked over this time. They, they were they were believed in, and uh, because of that, there's like this new maybe zest for life. This they they relish the opportunity not just to do like the leftover thing to do, even though it'd be fine like it provided a living for them. But it was they would be, go on a faith adventure. Uh, maybe some of their friends were able to go all the way to in with rabbis, and so maybe they were envious of them. And so here's this new rabbi, this guy moves into town after John's arrested and he's calling disciples to himself and he's starting a new rabbinical school and uh, these four who were rejected first they were believed in now and I think that's an important fixture of Christian discipleship Christian discipleship starts with an invitation an invitation yes we believe in Jesus but also Jesus believes in us uh, we've heard a thousand sermons about uh, believing in Jesus and putting our faith and trust in Jesus what we have is the license, as we look at the calling of Jesus' first disciples, to say there's also a second category of Jesus ascribing a belief over disciples, ascribing a belief over us, right? This belief um, is something that um, is a suspended space, is what philosophers would call, because um, it doesn't look like on the flat surface of it that these four individuals have what it takes. I mean, they were looked over earlier in life. Like they didn't have out of the box, the skills needed to be a learner of a religious tradition. But Jesus could suspend what he could see and what others could see. And with eyes of faith, he knew the potential. He knew what he could draw out of them. And it's the same for all of us. When Jesus warms our hearts and when we come into the Christian faith and when we hear him call us, it's, it's not just like we've earned, like some short, like we've passed some meritocracy course, like we've earned a spot there. What's actually happening is Jesus is, is offering above us a, a suspended space 
where in spite of what we see in ourselves now, Jesus sees more and he's going to draw it out of us. I think if you and I look back over our lives, we've sensed this. Like we've gone, we've gone on a journey. Like we've, we've arrived somewhere. Like we're not at the end. Like we're not like totally done and fully baked. No, we got some ways to go. But we have to admit that God's grace has been there for us and we are different people. And we're different people because Jesus plucked us out and he called us and he said, yes, you believe in me, but you know what? I also believe in you. I believe that we're going places and there's more in you than you can even recognize yourself. I want to draw it out of you through teaching, through experiences, through the mystery of faith. You will be something else because of my grace that works so powerfully within you. And that's good news for us. That's a good way to end the week of prayers this week is to put ourselves in the place of James and John sitting in a boat, doing the normal thing, mending the nets. And all of a sudden Jesus interrupts and he says, if you're willing to believe, I believe in you. Why don't you come follow me? I'm going to show you some things from here. That's all an invitation to all of us. And I pray that you and I would find the courage to respond to that call and be eager to go on that journey with God. So with all those things in mind, we'll spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you this day that you flood our souls with hope because you pluck us out. We're no longer wandering in the darkness, trying to find our way, but we thank you that there's been a lighted path and there is a benevolent and merciful Savior that has embraced us and brought us into God's family. And so we thank you that we start this day with grace, that the breath in our lungs, the imagination that is stoked throughout the day today is because you're moving in our life. In you, we live and move and we have our being. So God, this day we thank you that as we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, that we put them in their boats, ourselves in their boats with them, and when we hear just that thrilling call that you gave to them, that uh, gave them a second chance, that um, didn't allow them being picked over and forgotten and put to the side to be the last word of their life, uh, but allowed them to be animated with a sense of opportunity ahead, we, we can put ourselves in their shoes as well. God, we just confess you that at times we don't believe in ourselves. We um, are so familiar with our frailty and our mistakes. And so we need your help. We need you to go before us. And we thank you that um, in our souls and in our minds, as we glean this text, glean from this text, we can sense that you're calling out to us. And what we hear you say is that you believe in us and that you want to draw out of us even that which we can't see ourselves. And so we embrace you. We embrace that path. And we trust you. And we pray that you take us the next step on this journey today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.